stands. They arrive, they watch, they cheer, they leave, and they wait till next week. Followers, they practice every day. They learn, they take the hits, they sacrifice. This world is full of fans. Will you be more? Do you have what it takes to follow, to step onto the field? Let's do this. Well, good morning, Heritage. It is so good to be with you. My name is Jeremiah. I get to be part of the team here, and I am so glad that you're part of week six of our Fan to Follower series. Special shout out to our Bentendorf campus and those watching online. We're so glad that you're here as we kind of take these next steps in our Fan to Follower journey. But before we get too far, I have a bit of a confession to make. I am almost a fan of football. Almost. So it's great. It's great to be here. It's very ironic that I'm speaking in this series called Fan to Follower because I almost understand what it is to be a fan of football. The good news is I love Jesus a whole lot and I think I can help us discover more of what it is to be a follower of his. But the extent of my football awareness has to do with the time I spent uh, working in the Pittsburgh area a while back. And uh, I discovered this. This is what I know about football. That in Pittsburgh, if the Stillers win, it is so easy to commute on Monday. If they lose, it's really hard to get on the highway, and there's a lot of horn swearing. You guys know what horn swearing is, right? Yeah, some of you horn swear on your way to church sometimes. That's okay. If you don't know what that is, just talk to me afterwards. But that's about the extent of my knowledge of football. So I hope you'll bear with me as we lean in a little bit to what God has to say for us today. But part of our conversations have been that we take a few moments each week to look at a picture and play a quick game of are they a fan or a follower. If you've been here for the past few weeks, you know that that's how we've been kicking off each uh, conversation. And so I've got two pictures I I want to share with you today and ask the question, are they a fan or a follower? So here's the first one. Do you think those, that's a fan or a follower? Kind of hard to tell. Follower, most likely. They're dressed in gear. I get the sense that they are at the arena about an hour early waiting for the one other Broncos fan to arrive, and, uh, and they're just really excited to dig into what's going to happen. But they're, they're just looking. They're ready. You get the sense that it's going to be a great, great day for them and the one other person who's there. Now, the next one. Is this a fan or a follower? I think this is a fan. Remember, the difference between a fan and a follower, a fan is kind of a casual observer, and a follower is someone who is engaged and invested. So just like the last picture, it looked like somebody showed up an hour early to get all they could out of the game. I think somebody stayed an hour late, and someone forgot to wake Grandpa on their way out of the arena. I love that picture because it demonstrates in a, in a really very real way for us the first fill-in of our conversation this morning, and it's this. One of the key distinctions between fans and followers is their posture. One of the key distinctions between fans and followers is 
their posture. As an almost football fan, I can attest to this as I've observed people <laughs> in their natural habitat of football, football followership, right? The followers are leaning in, they're engaged, they're usually yelling things at either the television or at the players as if they can just get them to move a little bit faster, further, better. They're the ones who have the awareness of why why that play was a really bad one to, to call, right? And what they would have done differently instead. Um, fans tend to look to the crowd around them to get a sense of what's going on. They lean into the crowd for energy, for excitement, to know what's happening with, with the game, where a follower, they don't need anybody to tell them what's happening. They know. And the most dedicated followers, I think, are the ones who have played the game, right? The, the most dedicated followers are the ones who either played, played the game in high school and college or professionally. If you don't believe me, hang out with one of those people, one of you people, you know who I'm talking about, right? When the game is on and they understand what is, what is at stake in any given play or any given moment. The most dedicated followers are the ones who have played on the field. This is true not just in terms of whether... Uh, of how we interact with sports environments, but I think it's also true of how we interact as followers or fans of Jesus. Our posture shows a lot of whether, uh, shows us a lot about whether we're a fan or a follower. In the same way in the sporting world, fans of Jesus rely on the crowd to kind of give them a sense of what to do and how to lean in, where followers have this deep-seated sense of knowing what the right next steps are. The, a follower hears and heeds the voice of God and takes those next steps where a fan needs other people, the crowd, to help them get a sense of what their next step should be. We see this play out in a lot of different ways, especially when we are facing a challenge or an opportunity that's huge and we need to know what the best thing to do is. I don't know how many of you have ever found yourself in that moment where you really need to know what to do. Because there's a great opportunity on the horizon or a really significant challenge. And if you could just have an extra bit of wisdom, an extra bit of foresight, an extra bit of knowledge, it could make all the difference. The problem is that fans need to rely on other fans to get a sense of what should be done. And the crowd is notorious for really bad advice. I have another confession to make. This is like Confession Sunday. Isn't that exciting? Let me tell you the worst advice I ever received. Well, what I can remember of it anyway. It was, no, you won't need a helmet for that. <laughs> I genuinely can't remember all of the events surrounding that terrible advice, and you know why. <laughs> no, you won't need, it was terrible advice from a member of the crowd. But when it comes for other opportunities in our lives, some, some of the crowd's most destructive advice to us as we're seeking what to do and how to lean into next, some of the most destructive advice from the crowd is to follow your heart. I'm not the first one to say that. I'm not the only one to say that. And in fact, those aren't even really my words. There's a prophet in the Bible, a, a writer of Scripture, who has an amazing name. You ready for what his name is? Jeremiah. Yeah, his mom knew what she was doing, all right? In the book of Jeremiah, we read these words. The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
That's kind of shocking. It's, it's a little overwhelming at first. And I, I just want to pause there for a second and remind us that whether we can think of examples in our own life or from the lives of those around us, we all have uh, an awareness of people who have said they are going to follow their heart into a new relationship, but behind them, they leave a broken family in their wake. People who say they're going to follow their heart into a, a business venture, even though those with wisdom around them are saying, I don't know that that's the best idea right now. And they go for it, and it costs them everything, leaving a mountain of debt figuratively and literally behind. You see, some of the most destructive advice we could ever get or give is to follow your heart. The prophet says that our heart is more deceitful than anything else. And then he asks this question, who can understand it? It's this question of what do you do about that? What can we do? Because I want you to be tracking a little bit with us today. What we've just talked about, in case we're not following along yet, is that we've just said that when it comes to those moments, those opportunities, those decisions that we all face from time to time, not only can we not trust the crowd, we can't even trust ourselves. And yet I am convinced, I am convinced there is a better way. What would it look like? Imagine what it would look like for you today. If you could live the rest of this day investing your time, your energy, in your money just today in the very best way possible. If you could go to bed tonight knowing that today you had all the right conversations, you spent in all the right ways, you were, you were in the right places at the right times, and that God used you in a way that only he could. See, I believe we can know that and that we can experience that not just today, but every day. I believe that you and I were created, were designed to hear the voice of God's Spirit and then to be positioned in a place to obey Him, to follow Him, and find joy and freedom in the places that He leads. That's what we were made for. That's what we were designed for. But if we can't trust our own heart and we can't trust the crowd, how do we move from that place into a place of freedom and joy and, and safety and comfort in knowing who God has called us to be? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because the next reality for us is that we uh, need a new spirit. We need a new spirit. So we just talked about how the challenge is that our heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? But there's another prophet in the book of Ezekiel who understands that reality, and he reminds us that we need a new spirit. And by that, I mean this. Let's look at what he says in the book of Ezekiel here. This is God speaking to his people. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You see, earlier we, we heard that the heart is broken, is sick, is deceitful. And God, in his great love for us, doesn't promise that he will make our heart better. No, he says right here that he will give us a whole new heart. And you and I, we can, we can live into being a fan of Jesus with a new heart. We can live saved with a new heart here. But we're not yet positioned in that moment to live sent, to live as a follower. Because I believe 
we need a new spirit if we're going to fully live as a follower. And this is what the, the prophet continues in verse 27 here. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I want you to understand what has just happened here. God has just said that I will, I will not only repair your broken heart, but I will give you a new one. And more than that, I will give you my spirit, my spirit who will make you desire the things that I desire, who will move you to the things that will bring God honor and glory, who will position you even today to know and live into the very best that God has for you. And that brings us to the next fill-in if you're following along. And it's this, we can know and live in the very best. We can know and live in the very best. That's God's desire for us. Jesus said, when he's talking to his first followers, he said, I came that you could have life and have it in its overwhelming fullness. We can know and live in the very best. We were designed for that. But it's not the very best in the way that a fan would describe it. A fan would describe the very best as what is easiest and most comfortable. I think, anyway, just based on how we view fans in sporting events, right? That it's, a, it's the easy in, easy out. Check the box. That's not the very best. No, no, God's very best, it can cost us everything we know and understand, but it is so much better, so much higher than we ever anticipated. Jesus said it this way when he told a couple of stories. He said that what he came to offer, that life and kingdom of Jesus, were so valuable and so amazing, he likened it to a man who found a phenomenal treasure. And this man, upon finding the treasure, grabs a hold of it, kind of sneaks it away, hides it in the ground, digs a hole, hides it in the ground, and then goes off and sells everything he has so he can buy the small plot of land where he hid the treasure. Jesus is saying, my kingdom is so worth it. You'll want to sell everything you know for the sake of having what I offer. It costs everything, but it's so, so worth it. There's a, a family who are part of Heritage who have experienced this in a phenomenal way over their lives. And I want to introduce you to them via video today. I want to introduce you to the Burks and listen to their story of how they position themselves to hear and heed God's voice in their lives. When I was 19 years old and in college, I began to hear God's voice speaking and begin to sense a call into ministry and cross-cultural missionary service. A pastor friend of mine from our district uh, came and spoke at our church one evening and about his recent trip to Russia the year before. And after that meeting, he took me aside and, and talked to me and said, Brian, you know what? You're the perfect type of person we're looking for, trying to recruit to go on our international mission trip to Russia the next year. Would you pray about, would you consider joining the team? We'd love to have you go. And so over about the next six months, I began to seek the Lord in prayer to, dis to discern if this is something that the Lord was wanting me to do the following summer. I knew it was going to be a big financial sacrifice. I didn't have much money as a 19-year-old college kid. 
But uh, over that six month period, I strongly sensed in my spirit that yes, although it was gonna be hard, although I didn't know how God was going to provide, I needed to step out in obedience and do what God was asking me to do. I also began at 19 sensing the Lord um, nudging me, urging me um, to serve Him full time in ministry. But at that time, I ran away. I was afraid and I was filled with fear. But the Lord just kept prompting me, pushing me, and it was those little steps, those one step after another of obedience to the Lord where I started to see Him um, calling me, fulfilling um, what He had asked me to do. So as I began to be obedient, I got to this place where the Lord said to me, are you all in or are you all out? Because there's either one way or the other. Are you gonna serve me or are you gonna choose to do what you wanna do? And so I decided, I'm all in, God. I'll do whatever you call me to do. And so I began to walk in those steps. When I met Brian, um, we were clearly sensing that the Lord was asking us to go to Russia. But I had this list that I came to the Lord of why I can't do these things, why I, I'm not equipped or why I don't have what it takes. But then the Lord came to me and said, I know that's what you think, but this is what I see in you. I see that uh, you are equipped. I see that you do have the giftings. I see that I am the one who's gonna work through you and this isn't about you. You just be available, show up and let me work through you. It was during our last several years in Russia that we had a opportunity to get to know Tim Howard. And Tim is a good friend of ours and um, we respected him highly. And we began to talk to him about some of the gaps that we saw in our discipleship in Russia. And at that time we found out that um, the Lord was kind of stirring some new works here at Heritage when he was on staff here and um, put together this ministry called TLC at the time. Um, and it was that time when Tim trained us and we began to establish uh, te two teams actually in Russia, led by Russian nationals uh, that were trained by TLC, now called Wellsprings of Freedom International. So we had a passion in our hearts for this ministry. We had seen how God had sent people who were saved but not yet free um, to great levels of freedom um, in their walk with Jesus. And so when we came back to the States, uh, the Lord kind of had knit Tim's heart and our heart together and he opened a door for us to come to Wellsprings of Freedom International. Um, it has been such a joy for us to be able to daily have the opportunity to see, have a front row seat to God transforming lives and setting people free. Um, he's designed us to live free and he wants us to be free. And now we have an opportunity to invest our lives in that here in the United States as well. I love that story because it began in a sense with a couple of teenagers who said yes to a prompt from the Holy Spirit, who said, yeah, I, even though I don't fully understand that, I will take that first step. And they began to learn what you and I learn, which is when we say yes to an opportunity that God guides us into, he opens up greater and greater moments for obedience, trust, and to see him move in amazing ways. If you want to learn more about Wellsprings of Freedom, you can check the left panel of the worship folder. There's some website info in there. Because what's amazing to me is that journey that began at 19 for those two. Now, they serve in a ministry, a great partner of ours that helps people hear and heed God's voice. 
I want to pause for just a moment because I know as we're, as we're unpacking this, there are some of us in the room who as we talk about hearing and heeding, of knowing, of sensing God's voice, that that kind of sounds weird. Well, just own that. It sounds, it sounds a little weird if you're unfamiliar with this, but I, I submit this to you. That if you're, if you're here today or you're watching online, it's because you are at least hopeful that God speaks today. At least hopeful that God sees and knows your life and cares about you enough to desire more for you. I believe that that is the case. On the other end of that spectrum, if, if you're here today, it's because you're sold out and you want to discover what those next steps are. So over the course of the next few moments, we're going to be preparing for a time of listening. As we get there, we're going to unpack a couple more scriptures. And I want you, as, as you engage this morning, to just listen for what the Holy Spirit would say to you. Because He is speaking. It may be in the form of, of someone's name who keeps coming to mind. That you know you need to go make a phone call or have an interaction with later today. It could be in a decision that you're trying to make. It, it could be something as simple as taking the next step of baptism. I don't know what it is, but I believe that the Spirit of God is speaking to you and to me today. And so over the course of the next few minutes, we're going to take some opportunity to listen to what he has to say. As we do that, I want to share with you one of my very favorite quotes from one of my very favorite Christian authors, a man named Andrew Murray, who lived a, a long while ago and led people into deeper relationship with Jesus. This is what he said. Do not rest content with belief that does not lead to experience. God can make himself known to you in a manner that is truly divine. He can and he desires to do that. He's trustworthy. He is able to do more than we imagine in terms of our relationship with him. And Jesus spoke a little bit about this to his first followers. As Jesus was getting ready to, to move, to end his earthly ministry, he was preparing himself for death on the cross, for resurrection and ascension into heaven. And he kept telling his followers, I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm not going to be around much longer, but it's good that I go. It's really great that I leave. Now pause there, okay? How many times have you thought that wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus in the flesh were here right now working miracles? And when people have questions, we could say, go talk to the big guy, right? Just go ask him. If somebody wants to prove something or has a question, we could just point them to a very physical, present Jesus in that way. And Jesus said, though, no, no, it's actually better for you that I leave because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you, my followers, are going to do greater things than I have done. Whoa. Jesus' followers... When's the last time you were part of something and you said, I was just part of something greater than what Jesus himself did because of the way God's spirit is moving? It should not be exceptional for us to hear and heed the voice of God. That's what we were designed for. So Jesus, in interacting with his followers, says this to them. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. 
How many times have you wished you could know the future? Man, I'll tell you, I wish I could know the future of tonight's Cubbies game. I'm, I might guess a little bit about who, who would win if I knew the outcome of the game, right? A little Wesleyan guess there. There are times when we wish we could know the future. And just as an aside, speaking about the Cubs, sorry to, sorry to derail us here, but we are living in a world where either the Cubs or the Mets are going to be in the World Series. It's, these are great days to be alive, people. <laughs> the Spirit of God is moving in, among us. Okay, so back into, back into the message for right now. The future that is being spoken of here, there's actually a Greek term called erkomai that Jesus uses here. And this Greek term erkomai isn't just what is to come, although it has that sense, that sense of this is what is to come. This is what we know will happen. But there's another sense of direction and leadership into the very best outcome, into the very best future, that the Spirit, Jesus promises, is one who will give us wisdom and discernment, knowledge and a sense of knowing moment by moment what the best way to invest, to speak, to live is. That's amazing to me, that God would promise that to us and send His Spirit so we could know that. As we prepare for these moments of listening that are coming up, there are a couple of scriptures I want to share with you to just kind of meditate on and see what the Spirit of God would say to you and me as we we lean into Him a little bit. The first one is this. This is God again speaking to His people. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. And in the book of Proverbs, we read this. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. There are those of us today who, if we could be gut-level honest for a moment, we would say that we are, are living in a posture where we feel like we're walking around in the dark, bumping into things around us, getting tripped up. And the scriptures we just read, they remind us, they tell us loud and clear, it doesn't have to be that way. We can live fully into who God is calling us to be. We can discover what it is to live as he designed us. And we don't have to be afraid when we do it. We don't have to worry that he's going to lead us into a place where we stumble and fall and everything falls to nothing. He reminds us in his word that he goes before us. It doesn't have to be that way. We can know more. And it's our heart that we would discover that today. So what? What do we do with that? We've had, we've had a good talk so far, I think, I hope anyway. What do we do with it now? Some great scriptures, some challenging truth from God's word leading us to this place where we say we will pause and hear and heed the voice of God's spirit. 
But how do we do that? How do you move from a, from a posture of fan to follower in how we hear? Now, it gets a lot easier if we've already journeyed through the point where we're beginning to see ourselves more as God's child than as his slave, if we're beginning to see ourselves more as a steward than a consumer, if we've begun to ask God for eyes that can see what is unseen. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about there, listen to some of the previous fan to follower messages. It'll become clear. But if we've done that, now we're in this place where I think we're, we're really well positioned to ask God to help us move from leaning into the crowd to leaning into his voice. And there are a few simple things we can do to position ourselves for that. The first is this. It's to get familiar with what is true. To get familiar with what is true. Jesus said he was sending a spirit who is the spirit of truth, who would lead us into all truth. He also said, God, your word is truth. We have to get familiar with what is true if we want to sense and know the Spirit of God and know when God is speaking to us. We do that by engaging with Scripture, by taking a few moments each day to dig into the Word a little bit. You can go to Bible.com and find reading plans right on there that can, that can take you through a few verses a day where you begin to hear and know God's character you see, God is never going to lead us into a place that is contrary to his character. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you that you need to hold on to hatred in your heart towards someone. That's not how he works. But we discover that. We get to know that more and more as we spend time with his word. And if you're like me, as you've been listening to this, as you heard the, the Burks tell their story, the question that pops into my mind every so often is, but how do you know that it's God's voice leading you? How do you know that it's, it's the Holy Spirit leading you into what is best and not last night's delicious Harris pizza giving you indigestion? I think that's a phenomenal question. And it comes back again to this idea of getting familiar with what is true. You know, when the U.S. Treasury is training uh, Secret Service agents to identify counterfeit currency, which is a lot of what they do, they have a very particular and interesting training methodology that they use. If I had come up with this with this training, I would have probably decided that I was going to give these potential agents every counterfeit bill I could find so that they could get familiar with everything counterfeit and tell me why these aren't real bills. But that's not how, how our treasury agents are trained. Instead, they come in and for day after day and week after week, they are given genuine, authentic American currency. They study it. They look at it closely and from far away. They feel it. They even smell it, which is kind of disgusting. But they, you know, they just get to know real, genuine currency. And more and more, they get, you know, bigger and bigger stacks of bills, which is, that just sounds fun too, doesn't it? But they just get to know the genuine article until one day their trainer will slip in a single counterfeit bill, not telling them that it's there. And consistently, these agents can quickly identify what is false, not because they studied what shouldn't be, but because they are so familiar with what is true, they can, they can know what isn't right. And that's the same for you and me. As we seek to know what is true, what is God's very best for us, we need to spend time, we need to get familiar with what is true in God's Word, and you will discover as the Spirit of God prompts you and moves you, 
He will move you to a place of obedience. Small steps first. Small steps like maybe taking that step of getting baptized. And then on the other side of that, there are opportunities for greater obedience and and greater clarity. He gently carries us along in that. We have to get familiar with what is true. The next thing is this. We need to remember that we don't journey alone. We don't journey alone. As, as we've been talking about kind of not leaning into the crowd for direction, but listening to what the Holy Spirit would tell us, we can think that what that means is that we should just kind of pull ourselves away so that we are not affected by others at all. But Jesus designed you and me, the church, as one that lives and finds fulfillment in community. We need each other. And so we remember we don't journey alone, and, and it's simple, and, and it almost sounds like a bit of a sales pitch, especially because I get to lead our linked arenas here at Heritage. But if you want to know God's best for you, if you want to discover what it is to be led in the best way, you've got to be in a group and serving on a team. You've got to be in those environments where people who love you and care for you will help you discover what it is to discern and live into obedience. People who will love you enough that when you say, I think God is telling me to do this, they will hold you lovingly accountable to that and call you to more. So if you're not in a group, you can, you can ask today on your, on your communication card for more information about how to step into a small group or into a support group or to join a team. You need to do that. The next piece is this. We need to make space to listen. In just a few moments, we're going to have about three minutes where there will be some music playing, there will be some some scriptures up on the screens, and we're just going to take three minutes and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us about himself and about us. I believe he wants to to speak to us. I believe he is speaking to us. But that shouldn't be an exceptional moment for us. I challenge you to take a few minutes, two to three minutes a day, three to five minutes a day, excuse me, which actually feels a lot longer than it is, to be silent before the one who made you and me and to listen. And as we listen to ask him, not just who he is and who we are, but a question that I think can change the trajectory of our lives and that he will be faithful to answer. And it's simply this, what is my next step of obedience? So I'm going to take a few moments, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're just going to listen. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of this body. Thank you for what you desire to do. God, we genuinely believe that you have designed us to hear and follow you. But it can be so hard sometimes to know what that is. And so I ask in these next moments, God, by your grace, that you would give us ears that hear your voice today. That you would give us hearts 
that are receptive to your word. And that you would help us have the courage to not only listen, but to heed and obey. Lead us now, we pray, in Jesus' name.